So would you please find your place in God's word this morning and let's share together as we stand. Beginning at verse 33, reading through verse 46. And when they had come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the male factors, one on the right hand and one on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood before holding, or beholding, and the, the rulers also with him derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which was hanged railed on him saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him saying, Dost, thou, dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly? For we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And when the sun was darkened, and the veil in the temple was rent in the midst, and when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Jesus was dead. But we want to hurry this morning in this special service to read a few verses of chapter 24. They were in our Sunday school in part today, but I must repeat. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulchre, bringing the spices which they had prepared and, uh, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre, and when they entered in, they found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as, as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee? Yes, a risen Savior. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you today for being able to open the windows of your word and just look in and see and feel and touch a love that brought Jesus to the cross, moved him from the cross and the crown of the crucifixion to a risen Savior who lives today and resides in every heart of his children as we have received him as Savior. And Lord, we thank you for this special day of worship that we could come together and to sing praises to you, Lord, and to lift up your name to the highest height of our feelings. And, and Lord, just to thank you for a love that did what you did and that we can do what you want us to because of it. Guide us now, Lord, in this special time of worship. In your precious and holy name we pray. 
Amen. May be seated. <clears throat> I kind of wanted to, add, to title this, the topic this morning as Jesus paid it all, and certainly he did. But this is all about Jesus. This is about what God's Son did at Calvary and what he did because of you and I. You see, Jesus died for you and for me and for the world of, that was so lost in, in the sinful setting that it was in. And he redeemed every sinful soul that would repent and come to him for that uh, salvation that he made possible. And so today, do we gather to celebrate? Should we celebrate the death of Jesus? Of course we should. Not because of the pain he bore, not because of the suffering he had there at the cross, but because and the reason that he did. We hear Jesus sharing to the, with the disciples at the supper just, just shortly before this. as He shared about his suffering that would come. Did they not understand what Jesus was about to do? Maybe they had some sort of feeling that this can't be carried out to the fullest intent that he says. Why they expected an earthly kingdom be set, to be set up. And when we feel like that it was a, a heavenly spiritual kingdom he was setting, he indeed was setting up an earthly kingdom too. Not for someone to be the leadership of it, riding a white horse, but for the kingdom of God in this earth would be made up of people who would receive what he was doing. That we would become a part of the kingdom on earth that would be ultimately ushered into the kingdom of heaven. And so what a promise that we have. And, you know, we talk about Good Friday and the day of his crucifixion. And it just seems like that we can't hardly say the word good when we think about that Friday. It wasn't good for the disciples. It was not surely good for Jesus. Had he not been able to, to see what this was bringing about? Sure he had. Even in the garden, he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Do I have to suffer and die? Is there not another way? And Jesus' conversation may have gone on and on for a while with his heavenly Father, which it did quite often. And we'd find refuge in that. And I want, to, I want to pause there today to let you know that you can find refuge in your life by pausing and finding yourselves poised before God and realizing that he wants to share whatever situation you're in with you. And that's what God is all about. That's why Jesus did what he did. He didn't just die. He didn't just give his life that we could have eternal life. And that's the grand and the height of highs. But he died that we could have the abundance of life on this earthly living that he has given us too. You know, I look forward to go to heaven. But I love this life too. And I love the blessings that God puts on us be able to live with family and friends and and have a church, a loving church that can come together and, in the one spirit of love and, and just reckon what Jesus has done and maybe is wanting to do. In the last days of Jesus' life, he must have seen a little bit of dimming of the world's lights, but he knew that the greatest light of all would illuminate through him at Calvary. And as we read the story and we think about that, there's no song says it better than, oh, what a Savior. Oh, hallelujah. You know, I don't know about you, but I haven't been caught doing much shouting in a, converse, in a service on Sunday morning. 
I just didn't come from that direction. And yet, one of these days, if you get there before I do, I want you to be listening because as soon as I step through the door, I'm going to cry out, hallelujah, praise God, praise God. And I want to do that for a few hundred years. I want to let God know how grateful I am for salvation. But don't cause me to wait. Don't let me wait until then to do it. Let me share that love with someone else. I want you to know what a joy it is to know Jesus. And I want you to see that joy in my life without me saying a word. I want to be a reflection of God's love. I want to mirror God's grace in a world that's so lost and seemingly turned upside down with the influence that Satan is having on so many people. You know, I've heard said, and I've read, we're living in a God-forsaken world, and that's terrible to say and or even think that. We're not living in a God-forsaken world. God will not, never, will ever, and has not forsaken this world. Did you know as he talked with the disciples there at the Last Supper, as he was looking around at the, at the twelve who were gathered, he didn't look any longer at Peter than he did at Judas. And he so wanted to influence Judas. And probably through the times of those three or three and a half years of ministry, once in a while, Jesus may surely have got a feeling, if I could just say something else, because I know what's in Judas's heart. And it would come to pass that he would betray the Son of God. You know, when Jesus asked, was talking about that at the supper, the disciples began to ask one and then another. Peter, James, John, Jan, a different one said, Jesus, is it I? Am I the one that's going to suffer? And you know who else asked the question? Judas did. Judas even said, Lord, is it I? But the influence that Satan had, the influence that Satan can have, can enter your heart and can cause you to stumble at the very fact of your faith, heaven forbid that we allow such to happen. But I like the reading as we shared with you beginning there. And they came to the place. It was a special place. It was a place where Jesus or God himself had designated for his son to suffer. And I have often heard people say, you know, this was God's son. Somehow God was able to, 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 to do whatever he could in his power to keep the suffering from being unbearable to Jesus on the cross. But that's not Bible. It is not Bible to believe that anything was taken away from Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, suffered more than you have ever. The total sum of all of our suffering is not equal to the suffering that the Son of Man had on the cross of Calvary. He suffered, he bled, he died in a horrible state of love. Yes, indeed. It was because of love. And for those three hours, the Bible says it got dark. I kind of want to feel like there that day, maybe the sun was shining at, at the hours that it shared, the sixth hour to the ninth hour. The sun was up to somewhat. It wasn't a cloudy day yet, but it was about to be. And all of a sudden, the Bible just lets us feel like that the, that the sun and moon even fell over the horizon and refused to shine. And we also want to know that it said, and there was an earthquake. You know what I believe that was? I, 
I believe the world, I believe the entire earth began to quiver at the thought of the Son of God suffering for what he had to do. It was in such pain, and I know that 10,000 angels would stand ready to eat the Son of God, and Jesus gave no order. Jesus didn't say, go get him. Jesus didn't say, take him off of the suffering. There's got to be another way. God said, there's no other way to tell the world I love them except through the shed blood of my son. How that mirrored what Abraham was wanting to do back years, or didn't want to do, but had to do back years ago. But the story of Jesus does not end with the horrible sights of, of death, with the sights of the crown. I, I've shared before, but that very crown right there, I made 35 years ago. And I began to see that crown, and I, I realized that Someone in that crowd that day had to make a crown. And I kept trying, I went back on the farm and got some old uh, thorn vines. And by the way, God zapped that tree away. You can't find that thorn tree today. It's gone. God took it away. Didn't want me to make another crown. But I made this one. And as I began to weave it together and try to tie it and to bend as I could, it was in a green state of existence, you couldn't do it now, it'd break. But nonetheless, as I began to tie together, I thought there's somebody in this crowd of people that where Jesus was that day that's hands is bleeding up a storm. Somebody has hurting hands. And I wondered, who was that? And I kept trying to picture someone in the crowd forming the crown. And I tried to see their hands. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I looked at my hands and they were bleeding. I thought, oh my, oh my, I had a part in making that crown for Jesus. My hands were bleeding. And I realized that the torture that he was about to go through, and I had finished making that crown and I picked it up. And I gently, and I repeat gently, set it on my head. But that's not what they'd done with Jesus. They pulled it down on his head as they sped upon him and as they pierced his side and as they mocked him and as they said, let him come down. He saved others. Let him save himself. Oh, but Jesus could have done that. Jesus could have just swooped over the crowd with, with wings or whatever he wanted to do, but he didn't. He willingly gave his life that we could worship him today, a risen Savior, that not only today, but after a while that we would be able to think about a risen life, a life that would be able to come together. A man was asked, or asked another fellow by the name of, he asked Arthur Acreed, are you saying you want me to worship a dead Jew? And he began to think about that question. And he wrote the song, He is Risen. And we sang that today because I feel like that that's exactly what the total sum of allegiance to God is, that we know we serve a risen Savior. And how do we know? He lives within my heart. And someone might ask you, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross? Do you believe that he arose from the dead? Do you believe he's alive today? And you can get that song and read the verse. Read the line that says, I know because he lives within my heart. 
I don't have to know any or have any other proof but the fact that that's it exactly. So the simple message is that new life is found in an empty tomb. I shared earlier and I've shared many times and I'll keep doing it until I breathe my last breath. But I stood inside that empty tomb one day and I saw where Jesus laid. And I've often thought about that. I looked around and there was no grave clothes laying there. There was no napkin from his face laying on the side. But I pondered that thought. And as I saw this, spiritually saw Jesus rise from that old cold stone and the grave clothes just kind of fell off and he took the napkin that was on his face and he began to fold it. You see, Jesus wasn't in a hurry. He wasn't afraid somebody's going to catch him. He knew what he was doing. And he was carving a way that we could have eternal life someday. And as he folded the napkin and laid it down, he didn't sneak outside to see if anybody was looking. The Son of God walked out with victory in his hands. He had just conquered old man death. And Satan may have said, I think I've just about got the Son of God severed. Now he's dead, but little did he know an empty cross in the hands of God's people today is a victory sign. You know, I carry a cross in my pocket and I've carried it for 30, 40 years. And every time I get money out of my pocket or whatever to get some change for somebody, I see that cross. And that reminds me, it's empty and it's all because that Jesus died that I could have a promise in my heart. That's the promise of heaven. And I want to ask you this morning, I don't know, I'm sure there are many needs here today that you need to lift up to the Lord even in your own life or in someone's life that you know. But as we think about the risen Savior and that the Son did rise again, that is S-O-N and S-U-N, the day began to brighten as that resurrection morning came and the Son of God walked away with victory for you and I today. So I want to ask you, are you prepared for what God wants you to do? Are you ready to ask the question, God, what are you up to in my life now? What's my next step? Well, I believe that right now, in every one of our lives, God is up to something. He is ready to do something in your life, and he won't unless you're willing, but he wants to so bad. So as we say to God, I'm here, use me, make my life what you want it to be, and I'll be that very thing. We're going to have a hymn of invitation. I want to ask you, if you need to make some commitment to Jesus, what a beautiful day it would be to do, to say to Jesus, I want to walk closer than I've ever walked. I want salvation in my soul because I want to go to heaven. I don't want the cross and the death of Jesus to be in vain that day. But because he did, I want to say, I love you too. Whatever the need is today, please make that choice for Jesus. Would you do that as we bow together in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you today for that promise that we can have. I thank you, Lord, for all that you have done. We thank you, Lord, for what you want to do right now. And Lord, help us all to be willing and open heart and mind that we might be bold in the spirit.
to be able to make that commitment and to make that decision that you want us to make that tomorrow will be different because we are walking where you want us to walk. Bless us now, Lord, in this invitation time. In your precious name we pray. Amen.